0: And we're going live. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Allison Lane Olson, and I am offering this first lecture of the day here at the Freiburg New Church Assembly. Today is Saturday, August 12th, and I have titled my lecture Sacred Geology Stones and Crystals. So here at the New Church Assembly, we are wrapping up a week of focusing on the connection between the spiritual and the natural realms. And as has been made clear, there's a whole host of ways to um, understand this and um, different ways of interpreting this idea or opening it up. And for instance, yesterday, Part of that definition of the natural world included the, whole, the human social interaction that we focused on and were learning about. And when I first heard about this topic for the week that we would be focusing on the connection between the natural world and the spiritual world, I was quite literal in my thinking and I went straight to experiencing spirit in nature. And that idea that so many of us find a sense of the sacred and feel that connection when we are out in nature. And by nature I simply mean walking out that door, being among the trees and flowers and having that mountain in the background, the river, the the birds, all of it. That to me was where my mind went when I thought about the connection of the spiritual world and the natural world. So that is an aspect, that is what I I wanted to lift up this morning and be our focus. And, and as I was thinking about this, I was reminded too that, you know, so many have found that sacredness in nature. And um, as a minister, one of my privileges is being able to be with families during times of funeral. And so when I offer, sometimes I offer funeral services for, for individuals who never connected with a church community. Um, They didn't have a church that they went to, so sometimes I will provide those services for someone who who didn't have that, but what their family will tell me, and I've heard it more than once, is that nature was their church, Mm -hmm. that the outdoors was their church. So there's something about that. So to make it less general. Um, I wanted to lift up this morning something that is so foundational for our very existence, and it was, and is rocks and stones, rocks and stones, precious stones, semi-precious stones. This world, this rocky world that we live in, live on, and just the last few years, my fascination with rocks have grown, and this part of our, of our world and. I've been reminded as I try to read about it and, and grow in my understanding of geology too that, that, that it's so foundational. Usually when we think about the things that, that we have to have to live as human beings on this planet, we think about the air we have to have to breathe, the sunlight, we need food, um, water. The truth is rocks are also a part of that. We. The rocks form the crust of the earth. We would have nothing to stand on if we did not have rocks. Those, that crust rests on a thick layer of hot rocks that flow like glue underneath. We are a rocky planet. We are one of four rocky planets closest to the sun. And that includes Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars. I was thinking of that TV show, actually, Third Rock from the Sun. Like, this is where we live, on a rock. Rocks are part of our everyday existence, whether it's the mountains that we're gazing at, the stones that crunch under our feet. Maybe you have granite countertops at home. Maybe you wrote with chalk recently. Maybe you use road salt during the winters. And what about something as simple as a curbstone? I was reminded that even that has its story to tell. It is born in magma, blasted from a volcano, collected, ground up, and transformed Into an unnoticed everyday part of our world, the curbstone. So, my question for you is Does this rocky world that we live on affect your spirit? Do you think that this rocky planet that we live on affects your spirit? Do the rocks affect you? Are they part of your spiritual life? Are rocks a part of your spiritual life? Mm-hmm. And what do you think of when you think of rocks? So we're going to have some time, I'm hoping, later for, for discussion about this. Um, what I would like to lift up for, for our time here this morning is simply just doing what we're doing, lifting up this piece of our earthly existence that is so essential, and then remembering what we hear about that in Scripture, and then, certainly bringing into that what the mystic and scientist and theologian Emanuel Swedenborg thought about rocks, what he understood about them as he was, um, for him, uncovering what um, some of these aspects meant in sacred scripture. And then because I don't want it to be just an intellectual exercise, I'm hoping that um, it will become something that feels personal to you before our time is through, and I'd like to share a few stories for you, my experience with rocks before we end, and, and I'm hoping it will be interesting to you and it will feel personal. So I thought just because we are talking about geology and we should at least cover a few basic facts that maybe we learned in grade school, and that is that rocks have been classified into three different groups. So, we're just going to just remember just a point of basic geology. And I found this online to try to simplify it as much as possible. And what it said was that many rocks form deep inside the earth. Some are made of magma that is cooled down and solidified and they, these are called, does anybody remember? Igneous. Igneous. You guys are on top of this. Okay. On to category number two. On the surface, rocks slowly crumble as they are battered by wind, ice, and water. The rock fragments are washed into rivers, lakes, or oceans where they sink to the bottom and combine with the remains of animals and plants. And over time, the fragments and remains bond together and harden to form sedimentary rocks. All right. Nice. And our third category, igneous and sedimentary rocks sometimes sink slowly into the ground where they are crushed, heated, and deformed by the weight and movement of Earth's crust. And they are transformed into a... Third type of rock called Metamaran. all right, you put some on top of this. nice. that sounds so in some ways we just we just in a few words describe something that takes millions of years to happen. The rock cycle takes millions of years and I was just thinking, so we 've had this beautiful view we've have the white mountains here, and geologists believe that that may have taken anywhere between a hundred to a hundred and twenty four million years to arrive at what you are looking at out the window. This is a long process, a long process. And just a couple more elements just to sort of wrap up uh, just a very rough education here on this. Rocks um, are made up of minerals which occur naturally and a rock is made up of a combination of two or more different minerals and that also may contain organic material or compounds. Okay, and one final lesson, or reminder, that a lot of times you probably walk by rocks and you don't even think anything of it. But some rocks catch our eye a lot faster than others. And throughout history, the rocks that catch our eye the quickest and, and just their beauty stands out, has long been, when, when gemstones are formed or precious stones. And so the earth does this amazing thing when just the right ingredients come together. There's certain minerals, certain elements come in the right space at the right temperature and pressure for long enough to allow them to form beautiful, stones that catch our eye immediately and have been long used in civilization for many purposes but definitely held up as special and sacred, um, something really extraordinary can form and, and happen. Okay, we did good, right? Basic lessons, reminders and uh, a little bit about this, this rocky world that we that we live on. It's part of our existence here, it's also part of Bible and the stories. And so I thought, just, could we just take a moment and remember some of the stories that happened that involve stones, rocks, crystals? We'll just take a moment. What's off the top of your head? Can anybody want to shout out, call out? The house built on the rock. The house built on the rock,
1: right.
0: Moses hitting the rock. Moses hitting the rock, right. Did I hear one Trevor's voice? Oh, oh, you picked the same one. <laughs> piling yeah.
1: rocks up for altars.
0: Yes, piling rocks up for altars. Stoning people. <laughs> With, oh, yes, I know. So, so, yes, there's positive and negative images of them in the Bible about stones, right, stoning people.
2: Yes, Redway? Um, Jacob sleeps on a stone.
0: Right. And a magnificent dream. Right, absolutely. Rolling the rock away. Right, rolling the stone away from the tomb
2: that the builders rejected. Right. The,
0: the cornerstone, the s- right, mm-hmm. The stone that the builders rejected.
2: The seeds.
0: The seeds, the seeds rocky stone. ground, stony ground, mm-hmm.
3: Peter is the rock.
0: Okay, Peter is the rock, right. Anything else come to mind, just out of your memory? He's
1: taking the rocks out of the red seeds
0: there was the um when Joshua was leading and they were crossing the Jordan they took 12 stones and they yes they made a memorial the five smooth, five smooth stones the five smooth stones right they right Well we might add to that the 10 commandments on two tablets of stone and um they they are a part of so much Um, There was a time when Jesus is entering Jerusalem. It's the triumphal entry story. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd say to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he says, I tell you, if they remain silent, the very stones will cry out. I might add that one. And finally, they are the precious stones form the very foundation of the holy city that is descending. And that is significant. So, if we turn for a moment to the writings of Immanuel Swedenborg, we are reminded this week as we're thinking about the natural world and the spiritual world, um, one of the things that he said or wrote about, he said that divinity is present in absolutely everything in the created universe. The divinity is present in absolutely everything in the created universe. And he's always making that connection between what we find, what we experience in the natural world, and what, and, and what is happening in the spiritual world, or some element of the spiritual world. In fact, we were reminded nothing exists here that does not have its cause in the spiritual realm. So one of the things he does, is we, we know, he, he looks at scripture and he, he sees it as, as in many levels, but one of the levels is it's a story about our spiritual life, our spiritual life. And when he is discussing rocks and writing about rocks, and there are many references to that, one of the ways that he defines it, and some of you may know right away, for one, of, sort of have it in your memory bank, maybe. What is, does anybody know, what is one of the ways that Emmanuel Swedenborg writes about rocks? You, anybody read me? Any? Truth? Yes, truth.
1: Falsity. Yes,
0: yes, right, crumbling rock, broken up rock. Yes, bro- right, <coughs> Right. That really brings in, again, a reminder that the context of the story really matters, really matters. Um, One of the things that he writes about rocks is he says they are truth from good. Truth from good. Now, we've been trying to unpack that in different ways, these phrases, truth and good. And one of the things that I'm reminded of is I was just thinking about a way to say that or to think about that in terms that may sometimes may, and maybe this works for you, is where I was thinking about it for today is I was thinking about it as truth from a loving place. Truth from good, I've been thinking about that as, and this is just one way, but truth from a loving place. And one of the things So there's truth, so there's many ways to look at it and certainly, so I had this collection up here and I, um, this was just a stone I found. It's just a, it's just a normal stone, a rock that has been well worn. It's actually quite smooth and um, truth, it makes sense in, as truth when you think about the things that you, you believe are unchanging. There is nothing, I can't twist this, I can't bend this. There's something hard and immovable about a rock as a symbol of of truth. And, you know, there's beautiful writings in in the tradition. William Worcester wrote some beautiful things about rocks for him. The fact that Christopher Columbus discovered America in 1492, that's a rock. That's like a rock that wasn't or can't can't be moved. Um, when we think about truth coming from a loving place, so we're going to think about that. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't, in a way, one way, he doesn't differentiate necessarily between rocks and crystals. They're all truth from the divine, truth from love, truth from good. And we're going to unpack that just a little bit more. But let me just read to you what he says about about the precious stones. So, the precious stones occur, as we heard, in the holy city. They also, there's one other story that it lays out precious stones in, um, in Exodus. Aaron has a, these vestments, and he has what's called a breastplate, and on it are 12 stones, and they're precious stones. Um, and this is what he writes about those stones. So, I just want you to try to hear this. So this is from Emanuel Swedenborg, this comes out of the Arcana. He says, the stones are, and these are precious stones in this one, lovely forms of truth, lovely forms of truth in which the Lord's love finds expression. So they're forms of truth in which the Lord's love finds expression. He says, that they glow with a divine love and wisdom which they transmit. So they glow with the divine love and wisdom they transmit. And this last line, I love it. He says, in these gems of holy truth, answers from the Lord flash for us. Answers from the Lord flash for us. So visually, if you can think about this, this is still truth from good. This is still, even though it's, right? Like, okay, so this is what I'm holding up right now. One of these, this is a kind of quartz, and it's, it's, I love it, it's beautiful. You can see through it. Now this wasn't mentioned in, one of the descriptions of the different stones that were used, but I hold it up as an example because you can, I hope you can see at least a little bit from where you are, that something like this is something that you can see through. I do have amethyst up here. Amethyst you can also see through, um, but it's, it's smaller, so I knew you would have a little bit harder time seeing that. If you think about that difference, love or truth that comes from a loving place, I was thinking about, so, and at the end, right, at the end of the Bible story, if you think about it as a a picture, a story of how your soul grows and evolves, and at the end, the foundation of this heavenly life that's happening, so imagine a life in which you are finding peace and joy, a steady kind of life with peace and joy. This where you can see through, right? You can, this kind of stone, one of the reasons why it's so neat and beautiful is because more light gets through. More light shines through this, is able to enter and shine through it. And as we think about the idea of the Lord flashing answers in something like this, where you can see and the light plays with it, I love the idea of thinking that part of our growth process is coming from a place in which there is truth with love, but we can't always understand it, if that makes sense. How many of us have had times in our life where situations that arise, we don't understand why it happened? We don't understand why it happened. Maybe we'll never understand in this life, we think. What I'm hoping to try to convey here is the idea that there is faith in this life. Part of our spiritual life is understanding that love is the very fabric of existence. God, Source, is attending to every detail of our life. We hear over and over again that this is all comes from love. It's all out of love and there is wisdom in our life, but we don't always understand it and we don't always see it. But we can go on faith. We can go on faith that love is in action here. There may be things happening and things that I'm learning and I don't understand necessarily why it's happening, but, but there is love and there's, it's, there's truth that I'm learning and the lessons are there, but I don't always under, understand them as well as I might. Think about coming to a point in your life where the questions you have become answered. What if we grow so close to source to God in our daily life and understanding that the things that we didn't understand at one point are becoming clearer. And, we, and it, things become more crystal clear. And we're growing to a point in which we understand that love is the very fabric of our existence and we can start to see why it's working through our life in certain ways. So I'm, I'm hoping that that will make a little bit of sense. and. Um, We'll, we'll work with that. Um, what, what I would like to share with you um, are a couple of stories of, and I'd like to share with you why the rocks and stones have become a fascination for me. And I'm hoping that as I share these stories with you, that it will become something that, um, that this isn't just an intellectual thing to think, okay, a rock is like truth, or depending on the story, maybe rock is falsity. It's not just in our minds. What I'm hoping is that as we have been sort of unpacking during the week and thinking about this idea that the Divine is in everything, there is a living relationship with what is going on in our natural world with the spiritual world, that rocks play a part for you in that. So the story I wanted to share, my first story I wanted to share with you is that several years ago I became friends with someone who had a lot of crystals and rocks around her home. So I don't know if that's you or if you know someone like that who who have a large collection of rocks and I knew it meant something to her and that it was um, important to her. And I I went to a rock shop by myself one day. So in North Conway, we have a really great rock shop. And I went and I was just, it's beautiful in a rock shop. There's all kinds of colors and stones. And if you've ever been in a rock shop too, there's little cards that come with them like this stone means this or this can help you with this. So they, um, so I'm looking around and I see a piece of agate. Now, I didn't bring that one today, but it was a, a piece of of stone, it was about this big and there's just lots of them laying there and I put my hand on one and I don't know, something else caught my attention, my thoughts went somewhere else but I had kept my hand on this agate and all of a sudden I realize when I turn back because I had my hand on this stone, all of a sudden I realize that I am feeling something pulsing. From this, from this stone. And I, it was sort of one of those moments I thought, what am I feeling? So I kept my hand on the stone and I am just feeling it. It has a steady, stable pulse of energy. I had never felt that before. I don't know if that's a common experience. I don't know if anyone in this room has felt that before. It was new to me. I had never, when I was a child, I collected rocks and that was probably about the end of my, really my, um, for a long time, my relationships with rocks and stones. So I found myself in this rock shop. I have my hand on this piece of agate and I'm feeling it pulse with a steady, stable energy. And it brought home to me in a new way, and I'm still trying to understand it. And this is the only way that I make sense of this at this point. This stone, the stones, the rocks, they don't have to be as pretty as these. They have their own energy. It isn't something that's just intellectual, it's not, you know, the Bible, um, we can sort of get in that frame, if, and for me, I grew up in the tradition, so I, I knew, okay, this equals this, sometimes, you know, rocks equal truth, or, or perhaps the opposite, depending on the story, um, and I knew, I knew there was an aliveness that always came across to me, there is something alive about the relationship between the things that we find in the natural and the spiritual but I had never experienced it in quite this way before. (coughs) So, for instance, this quartz down here. So last week during outing week, um, we had the opportunity, some of us, to um, go to Mount Appetite. We went to Mount Appetite in Auburn, and we went to an old tourmaline mine and just to see what we could find. And my daughter, Elin, she packed away some pretty big stones in her backpack, and I ended <laughs> up carrying them down, down the path. But I was happy to do that. I was, I was happy to do that, because I love stones and rocks just as much as she does. And one of the pieces that she came back with is this beautiful quartz. And when I hold this, what I'm sharing with you is that when I hold this, it takes a moment But if I just hold it, and I'm aware of what is happening in my body, I slowly start to feel this very steady, stable pulse of energy. I can feel it in my throat right now. There is something about this. And the question is, if you'll believe me, there's something about this, and it's not just limited to this. So, what I'd also want to share with you now, yesterday we talked a little bit about fantasy and reality, but I hope you'll follow me down this path <laughs> for a moment. And what I wanted to share with you are two meditations, something that I learned or felt in or heard in two meditations. So, the first one I wanted to share with you, and I, I shared this with some of you who um, attend the Freiburg New Church. It was near the springtime, it was near Easter, and I, you know, the world has been a very unsettled place, and perhaps it has always been, but it has hit me particularly this last year. I, I'm always hesitant to check the news. I want to know what's happening, and yet there's just this feeling of, of worry about what I'm going to read about, and And my question during, so meditation is really just something that I've started to bring into my life the last couple of years. I I really didn't have it a part of my spiritual life. I always wanted to, but I just didn't really. And one of the ways that when I'm in a time of meditation, I thought, well, I'm just going to, I'll just ask a question. I'm just going to ask a question. I'm going to be as quiet as I can. If my thoughts wander, that's okay. I'm just going to ask a question I'm just going to sit with it. So the question that I asked was to Spirit, to the universe, what would your message be to a world filled with many people who are feeling worried, anxious, and confused? What would What would you say to the people who are feeling anxious, confused, and worried? And as I sat there, my mind wandered. I have to tell you that all of a sudden I realized I was hearing someone speaking. And I couldn't remember all of it. I have a moment when I, if I hear something, I'm like, and then I lose it because I'm out of it all of a sudden. But I was able to hang on to five words. And the words were nature is calling your name. Nature is calling your name. And nature is healing. And we know that there are a lot of studies out there about the healing effects of nature. People will go out to trees specifically to find healing. What if all of nature, and we know there are catastrophes, But that aside, what if the design of nature, what if everything is pulsing with an energy, a stable energy of love, unconditional love, and it's healing, and it's for healing? And that as we want to open ourselves up to it, if we ask for assistance to open up ourselves to it, then our experience of going for a walk in the woods can become something that we never dreamed of? That there is energy to everything. If if I can feel if you trust me, this, and I can feel the energy from something like this board, what does it mean that we are living on a whole rocky planet? What does that mean? Nothing is random. What does that mean for our spiritual life? Our, our sense and growing sense maybe of energy and of the energy of love. And what truth does it want to share with us? What messages does it want to share with us? What messages want to flash for us in these different aspects and parts of nature? Now, I'd like to share a second meditation with you. And this happened just right before camp. And I wasn't asking for anything. I wasn't expecting anything in particular. I was just trying to feel connected to the sacred. I was just trying to feel that connection. And so this, this isn't about rocks and stones, but I'm hoping that it will weave together for you. And I was shown a series of images in this meditation about a person. It wasn't always the same person, but it was about an individual not always believing in themselves, not always trusting themselves. So there will be little stories of this. And one of the stories, so this is how perfectly spirit knows everything you're up to. At our house, one of the shows we love to watch is the British baking show. I don't know how many of you have watched that. They gather so many bakers under a tent. They have three things to make. If it's the worst of the lot, then somebody has to go home after the weekend. And they narrow it down until they have their great British baker. OK. So I say that because in one of the stories, we're under the tent, the, um, the task was to make a cake. It was to make a this. I mean, I can't even tell you how much information comes through in a second. The task was to make a cake. And on the side of this cake it had these little peanut butter ball clusters. I know this sounds weird, the details are crazy. Little peanut butter balls. And this girl in the story had made the cake. She did it beautifully, but she didn't do it all. She didn't quite finish it because she didn't believe she could make those little peanut butter balls. But I, had, I saw this image of um of like opening them up and si- and kind of like it, see you could if you would have just seen what it was,
4: you
0: you would know you are capable of making it. And it was completely compassionate. It wasn't judgmental at all. It was like you can you know we go so far sometimes and then maybe we don't quite believe in ourselves to finish whatever it is or we maybe question our self worth whatever it is. And it was like you could do this. You can do this thing. You just didn't quite see that you could. You could do it. So in the the final part of the story, at the end, and again, if you'll just stick with me for a moment, at the end what I see is a tin of blueberries. Okay, like blueberries is written on the side, I know it's blueberries. And the message at the end was, if you would only have eaten the blueberries. Like, (laughs) like, so what was coming to me, and again, if you'll just stick with me for a moment, I know this may sound crazy. What was coming to me for example, we know blueberries are, what, good? They have fiber, they have antioxidants, or whatever. They're good. We know they have certain vitamins for us. We know they're good for us. We know they're nutritious. What if it's true, though, that not only are they good for your body physically and they nourish you, but they are designed for healing, and they actually come with an energy of helping you to believe in yourself. You can do it. What if that is true? What if everything in the natural world, all that we see is carrying with it a message of healing? And maybe it's no coincidence that the blueberry um, production was so good this year. Maybe we all need a little dose of you can do this. You are capable of this. You have been designed by love with love and wisdom in you to access. It's in you. You've been designed for this world, and you've been designed so that you can do what you are set out to do and fulfill your purpose. And I had had that meditation. My husband comes home that day with a bag of blueberries, this big, from work (laughs) somebody had given him to bring home, and I got to sit out and watch all last week as the kids, and they're still picking them. There were so many last week, all the kids picking blueberries off of those bushes and eating them. And if you'll just follow me down that road a little bit. Maybe allow that nature carries a healing message and maybe we're ready to start opening up to it. Maybe the rocks and the crystals also have their own healing energy. And it's the reason why for centuries some people have carried them around with them. Because they feel it. And it's stable and it's steady. I'm telling you, it just it's so steady, the pulse of it. We ourselves sometimes finding our days like this, highs and lows. Maybe that's why some carry them with them. Because a stable steady of unconditional love to keep with us as we go about our days. So coming to the end of my question. We started out with rocks and crystals. We thought about them in the Bible. We thought about them as geology. Swedenborg definitely saw something about them connecting with our spiritual life. And and I'm hoping that you'll walk away from this. If you haven't already felt it, then maybe the door will be opened a little bit further to know they have their own aliveness. And that divine love and wisdom is present in it. And it's possible that it is present in a way, in everything in nature, and we're only beginning to learn it. So that is my, what I share with you, and uh, I would welcome any questions in the time that we have. Yes, Susanna.
1: I think you should contact the state of Maine. for a new tagline, blueberries for self-confidence. Fair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nice. That's right. Yes. And you listed at the beginning, you were you know, saying how useful rocks are. It's like, we know it for plants, you know. You know we've in farming right now that if you test your soil or you test plant tissue and they're low in certain things if they're not going to function well, you know, anybody who raises animals knows it. You know, if your herd doesn't have enough phosphorus, there's not going to be the fertility there. But it's certainly also true with the human body, as animals also, that if you're low in certain minerals or high in certain minerals, it's, it's not good or it is good for health. mm mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's very dynamic.
0: Right. Thank you for mentioning that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I. Yes? Um,
5: I think that um, if you really uh, internalize this as a society, then you'd have a much different approach to cutting trees, to mining, to using the elements Mm -hmm. of the earth. It wouldn't be that you wouldn't do that, Mm -hmm. but you'd have a much different sense of how to do that expressing appreciation for what's what you're allowed to do and what you're allowed to gather.
0: Right, right. Maybe so a balance would come.
5: You wouldn't need environmental
1: impact statements. That right.
0: <laughs> right, right,
1: right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate hearing that. Yes, Erin. Um, it just reminded me,
4: Children, where you think everything is living almost, Mm -hmm. and you grew up having like pet rocks, and you believe that rocks are alive almost, and as you get older, you're told that rocks are dead and rocks aren't
0: living.
4: It's just cool
0: to be reminded that rocks do have an energy. They do. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you for saying that. I mean, this I have to say, it's totally brought back a kind of magicalness to living for me. Um, and, and I oh Susanna go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say that Erin reminded me that there was a um, the, one of the quotes that I read earlier in the week was that "The innocence that we have when we're younger, that we know that we are spiritual beings and that it is a spiritual world we live in, we have that until it is extinguished by learning mm. and that's what we, we train it out of ourselves, but mm-hmm. it was there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes? Well, one thing I think is kind of neat is with with our theology is whenever you say nature, it's so connected with God because, of course, you know where it all comes from, you know, where sometimes people sort of do nature instead of God. Mm -hmm. So I think it's neat how well those can mesh. You know, just even thinking about the mineral physiology of a person, I mean, boy, I bet there's some fun correspondences about that about what that all means if Mm -hmm. you don't get interested
0: hmm yeah Dan
3: what's fascinating is as you're talking I'm thinking oh but what about the, the real science and in reality science I think doesn't have a sensor that's as sensitive as yours mm-hmm. so my sensor may not be as sensitive as yours to be able to feel that energy. But science does have sensors to feel the energy off of some rocks, mm-hmm. uranium-238, for instance, mm-hmm. which is a naturally occurring substance that absolutely gives off energy and would kill everybody in this room. <laughs> uh, it powers nuclear power plants and subs and uh, they turn it into plutonium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's absolute energy that's, you know, decaying off of this, this rock. Mm -hmm. So, from that perspective, you could absolutely walk your experiences Mm -hmm. back to science uh, Mm -hmm. for those uh, uh, doubting Thomas's. Yeah, good point.
0: And it's kind of interesting too, like even just quartz, like it's in everything. Some people say, if if we really knew how much quartz is in, we call it the quartz age. I mean, the only reason, like in computers for example, they use it for transmitting energy and there's, um, there's ways that it is being used, and and it's in everything. So many things. I mean, in terms of electronics or um, traffic lights, um, there's ways that it is being utilized for its ability to, um, I guess, receive and, and how about LCDs? operate. Like the crystal Yes, 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 there you go.
3: <laughs> Rare earth minerals are very in demand for mm-hmm. technology. Mm-hmm.
4: Hmm.
1: I'm reminded of that very huge
2: rock orbiting the earth and the influence that the moon has on us.
0: Right, mm. right, right, we didn't even mention the moon.
2: Yeah. I just wanted to say um, I've always collected rocks from the time I was little, you know, again because something catches my eye about a certain rock. And um, so I've had different rock collections, some of them I gave away and some of them I kept. But um, I also became interested in Native American spirituality Mm -hmm. and um, as I studied that, um, I realized that they have a very strong belief in rocks, um, having an energy to them and also when you use the comment of uh, flashing uh, answers, flashing messages, um, they actually would use rocks um, to get messages Mm -hmm. from them. So so sometimes they would carry them with them. Sometimes they would arrange them in a particular order. And um, it also reminds me of Stonehenge, Mm -hmm. the importance of that place. So there, there are primitive peoples and um, and sophisticated or civilized people, mm-hmm. modern people, who have an interest in rocks. Um, I think thinking of them as more than just non-living things, which I I do think is a learning that
0: we. And they've got their work cut out for them. Well, I mean, did. they don't. I was thinking, right? They don't wag their tail and come greet you at the door when you come home, and yeah. like like they just they don't have that thing, they're not going to maybe have to work a little harder, go another step to see them, um, maybe as having that. George?
5: As would you be my helpful assistant, would you pick out the prettiest stone from your collection there, the one that you think is the most beautiful?
0: Well that would be very hard for me to do because I love them all.
1: <laughs> and, um,
0: But um, I will, one of my favorite is um, this one. It's called uh, Celestite.
5: All right, now would you pick up that smooth stone at the same time? I mean, what I'm thinking of is six cubits and one span. They say that measures to almost seven feet. Mm -hmm. David bends down and picks up the common smooth stone
1: Mm -hmm.
5: and kills that seven-foot giant. Um, you talk about imagery. You talk about, but that common stone,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is the you least know, I like ad- this one. Actually, this is so smooth it might make you think of yeah. That story. It, it's
5: the, it's the least attractive of the whole lot there, and yet it does take care of that bragging bully.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
5: I, I love that part of the story of, of David, and so
1: mm-hmm.
5: that's why yeah, I said you. Yes. Yeah, you would think, well, gee, why didn't he take the most beautiful stone to, to slay that seven-foot giant No, well, the common stone?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Not overlooked. Yes, Sarah. Um, I was just thinking about
4: Reverend's um, relation to um, Stonehenge. Mm. In Derbyshire, in the UK, there are uh, many, many stone circles, uh, one of which comes to mind is one called Avalo, and it, it is a limestone stone circle um, and it is known at certain times of view the stones glow blue and it is um, I think it's a, a stone age it's built on a stone age um, tomb like a, a bull ring and, um, and there's an entrance point to it and an exit point but uh, in recent uh, in recent scientific history, they have discovered that it was actually built on two very, very big ley lines, um, mm. which are, um, you know, spiritual and uh, energy lines under the under the earth's surface. And I just thought that was amazing. How did how did they know? How did they know? Why did they transport these massive rocks here? And they lay flat. And um, I just thought it was really really mm-hmm. interesting. What was that what feeling that we had? Uh R in Derbyshire. You should
0: you can should do that below. Well thank you, everyone. Thank you.